Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about how you can help your kids uh, get into the property market. Now, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, uh, first home buyer activity has increased by about 51% since March 2016, that's through to July 2019, so uh, circa last uh, three years or so. And now first home buyers uh, account for just short of 20% of all new home loans. So whilst housing affordability has has improved slightly uh, recently because uh, firstly uh, interest rates are low, uh, and also, um, you know, there's been some price corrections, I guess, over the last couple of years. Uh, it's still difficult for children to get into the property market. So um, uh, what can you do as parents to help them do that? And should it form part of your own investment strategy? Uh, so really, there's two things that are going to determine um, whether a child can get into the property market. The, the first one is cash flow. And uh, so that is, you know, do they have a stable enough level of cash flow to be able to afford to make loan repayments? Um, and so that's uh, really has two components to it. The first one is around their income. So do they have a stable uh, source of income? And typically that really translates to a permanent full-time position. And then secondly, uh, do they spend less than they earn? So do they have a good savings pattern or are they spending all their income? In which case, then it's very difficult to ascertain whether they can afford the loan repayments. So that's the cash flow element. The second element is deposit. And I think um, deposit has always been and will always be probably the biggest hurdle for first home buyers. So most banks will lend up to 95% of a property's value uh, to a first home uh, buyer. Uh, So that means that the child needs to save at least 5%, a 5% deposit. Um, The next thing they've got to pay for is mortgage insurance. Uh, And mortgage insurance typically costs 3 to 4% of the loan amount, so it can be a a pretty considerable uh, fee. Some banks allow you to add a poor a portion of that mortgage insurance cost onto the loan. So that's up to 2%, but there's not a lot of lenders around that do that. So there's a mortgage insurance that's going to come out of their cash. And then uh, thirdly, um, any acquisition costs, which could include stamp duty, depending on what um, concessions there might be in the state that you're purchasing for first-home buyers, uh, whether they use a, a buyer's agent to help them select the right asset, and then obviously legal fees and balancing items and so forth. Uh, so typically, a first-time buyer needs to accumulate a pretty sizable deposit you know, if they're going to buy in a capital city location and a good quality uh, property, and that can take uh, many months and years to save, over which time property prices uh, continue to, to climb, or at least that's the risk. And um, and most first-time buyers, first-home time buyers, can't outsave the property market. You know that is the prices typically increase at a faster rate than their savings do. Um, sometimes clients, so should it form part of your strategy? Because sometimes clients talk to me and say, look, one of our goals is to help our kids. And what we were thinking was to go and buy, we've got three kids, so let's go and buy three properties. And uh, that way we've got one property for each child. Uh, 
the first thing that I would say, so, so some fundamental flaws with that approach. So the first thing I would say is that best way you can help your children is to help yourself first. So that is, if you can focus on your own financial situation and build your own financial asset base, um, uh, that then you're going to be, put yourself in a position where you've got lots of opportunity to help your children in lots of different ways. And the reality is it's going to be very difficult to ascertain, one, when will your child be ready for your assistance? And, and two, what does that assistance look like? Is it a, a gift? Uh, is it something else like a family guarantee, which we'll talk about in a second? So really focusing on building your own asset base is is key and ultimately uh, in a roundabout way will allow you to help your kids uh, down the future, in the future. Buying a property for uh, notionally for each child um, isn't really a good strategy because uh, how is that child ever going to be able to use that property uh, in terms of use it to build their own financial situation? Well, the only way that they're going to do that is if you uh, sell or transfer the property to them or you sell the property down the track. Um, and uh, that's going to give rise to stamp duty and or capital gains tax as well. So it might sound like a good idea on paper, um, or, or, or theoretically, but you know there's um, there's some uh, downsides to it. Also, if you go and notionally purchase one property per child, uh, properties in different locations will grow at different rates at different times, um, and then you'll be left with the the requirement to potentially equalise uh, the differences in growth rates as well. Um, and lastly, as I sort of touched on, it's very difficult to know uh, when a child's going to need your assistance. You know some um, some people uh, uh, learn very good or have very good financial disciplines from a very young age, uh, and some young young adults take many many years to to learn them uh, and to demonstrate that sort of uh, the, the willingness to take on the responsibility of a mortgage. So it's very difficult then to really build a plan around it, and if you change your own investment strategy a lot uh, to to suit um, uh, just to suit you know your children uh, you might end up regretting it in the long run uh, that is you know you might forego some benefits and so forth now I think there's things that we can do well before our child's ready to enter into the property market and we all know that kids learn a lot from their parents parents through observation and experience and a lot of it is subconscious as well so it's really good to openly discuss the principles of money management and you don't have to obviously disclose your own personal details to do that but really just the uh, mechanics of decision making and the fundamentals really so you know how to budget um, focusing on value for money when you're spending and or considering spending, you know, talking about the fact that financial goals typically take some level of sacrifice um, and effort to achieve them. Not everything is easy and simple and that patience and delayed gratification are really critical elements uh, in order to build long-term wealth. These are the sort of concepts I guess you can talk about at the dinner table uh, with children from uh, quite a young age and then hopefully you kind of in a way indoctrinate them with some sound uh, financial um, concepts uh, which that hopefully will make that a lot easier um, uh, when it comes time to you know uh, buy a property and also uh, makes it maybe they'll be more in tune to, to listen to and take 
uh, your own advice as well. I don't mean this point to sort of come across very preachy. You know, I'm not telling you how to raise your children. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that there's le important lessons that we can impart uh, many years before our child is ready to get into the property market. So how do you know when your child is ready to enter the property market? Well, the first thing is that they've, in my mind, has to have to um, uh, communicate or show a genuine interest in investing in property. Very difficult to motivate people to build wealth if they're not internally motivated. Uh, typically, it fails. It doesn't work. So if they're when they're ready, they'll talk about property or they'll talk about uh, buying a property. Um, and then secondly, once their cash flow position uh, is such that, you know, you and them are confident that they're ready to take on the responsibility of a mortgage and they can uh, fund that, uh, then I think they're good to go. Uh, and I would say that um, the sooner they can get into the property market naturally, the better uh, outcomes for them in the long run. So they're the two things that you really want to look for is stable cash flow, ability to be able to service that mortgage, and then obviously showing a genuine interest into getting into the market. Once those two signs are there, bang, I'd be all over it as a parent to try and um, counsel them into making a really good quality decision. Uh, what's What way can you help them? Well, um, I think by far, the best way to help a child is through a family guarantee. So a family guarantee is uh, really a, a way of you adding additional security for their loan. Um, and I'll go through an example in a second, but essentially what it means, it gives you two benefits really. Uh, the first one is that um, they don't need to save as much of a deposit to get into the property market. So as I said, often um, a young person's ability to save is um, is outpaced by property growth, so at least that's the risk as well. So you know, if it takes two years to save a deposit, by the time you actually get the deposit, you probably need more money because property prices have gone up. So providing a, a family guarantee allows them to get into the market uh, a lot sooner. Uh, and secondly, uh, depending on the amount of security you provide, you can reduce the loan to value ratio to 80%. Uh, which means they don't need mortgage insurance. So that's a significant saving, which is a one-off one cost uh, of somewhere between 3 and 4% of the loan amount. That can be a significant saving for the child. Okay, so how does a family guarantee work? Uh, well, essentially, uh, what you're doing is providing supplementary security and you provide a limited guarantee. So let me give you an example. Let's assume your child wants to go and buy a property for $600,000 uh, and they have $10,000 of savings. So, you know, they need to borrow um, $590,000. Uh, they're not going to be able to do that. It's too high a loan-to-value ratio. Um, uh, so for the sake of the example, let's just ignore uh, any costs to make it simple. And let's assume, in fact, we want them to go and borrow 600000 so 100% of the purchase price, uh, so that they can save the 10000 or retain the $10,000 worth of savings as a bit of a buffer. So if we go and approach a lender for a loan for $600,000, essentially what we will say to the lender is we're going to offer you two securities uh, for that loan. The first one will be the property that my child is purchasing that's worth $600,000 and then I'm going to offer you a limited guarantee for another $150,000 and that $150,000 guarantee will be secured by my own property whether that's a home or investment property um, it, it, either or it, it doesn't really matter so therefore the total security for that $600,000 loan 
is $750,000 being the property plus your limited guarantee of $150,000. Now, because we've got $750,000 of uh, security, the loan to value ratio is 80% we don't need mortgage insurance. Now, in the fullness of time, uh, if and when your child's property uh, property's value increases uh, over time and or the loan uh, balance reduces with through repayments, um, we can go back to the bank and allow them to release the guarantee. Uh, so once the, for example, in five years time when your child's property is worth over $750,000, the property's value by itself will be enough to secure their loan, even if they haven't repaid a, a cent, um, and therefore you don't need the guarantee anymore. So let's talk about some pros and cons with this approach. So some of the advantages are it's not going to cost you anything. So you don't have to dip into your own nest egg to help them. You can still keep going, uh, progressing with your ability to build your own uh, wealth. Uh, the only cost, the only uh, money it's going to cost you is some legal fees because the, the bank will want you to get independent legal advice uh, to make sure that you're fully informed. Um, uh, the second advantage is it puts the onus of responsibility fairly and squarely on your on your child. They have to still qualify for the $600,000 loan, so they've got to prove to the bank that they've got enough income and their living expenses are low enough in order to um, meet those uh, repayments. Uh, so it still uh, lets your child um, stand on their own two feet. Uh, the property, there's no problem with ownership and, and so forth. The property will be in the child's name. It'll be nice and clean, so there's nothing to do uh, in the in the long run. Uh, and also, uh, another advantage is that typically these arrangements are short-term. So in the last 17 years of running ProSolution, uh, I, I can't recall any one family guarantee arrangement that's been in place for longer than five years. Now, excuse the pun, of course, there are no guarantees. So if the property property's value doesn't change and, and your child doesn't make any loan repayments in terms of principal loan repayments, then uh, theoretically, the arrangement could remain in place for the term of the loan, so another 30 years. Uh, but practically, and particularly if we help our child buy well, buy a good quality property, uh, typically, practically, um, historically even, uh, they've been in place for five or, or less years. Lastly, the provision of a guarantee uh, shouldn't reduce your any of your flexibility. So uh, sometimes we've had comments from parents to say, oh look, well, I want to downsize my home in the future. If I provide this guarantee, will that um, impair my ability to do that? Uh, no, for, for the most uh, most cases, it shouldn't impair your ability to deal with that asset. Uh, you'll need to move the guarantee onto another property. So if you downsize, you know, you just swap it over to the new property. But typically, uh, you should still have full flexibility. Of course, it really does depend on your own individual circumstances. So you should get some advice uh, in relation to that. But I've not seen a situation where it re reduces a parent's flexibility. Uh, so, of course, there are some uh, cons associated with providing a fam family guarantee. So there's probably three um, negatives or potential negatives that I could think about. Uh, firstly, if you've got a, a mortgage on the property that you're going to use uh, to provide as security for the family guarantee, then you and your child would have to use the same lender, which means they've either got to use your lender or you have to refinance to their lender. Uh, so something to, to think about. Um, 
Secondly, providing a guarantee will eat into your borrowable equity. Uh, so if you've got plans to borrow for your own personal purposes, uh, to build wealth and, and so forth, you're going to need to take that into account to, to see if that's going to impair your ability to do that. Uh, and lastly, whilst the guarantee is limited in dollar terms, so using the example that I previously used, $150,000 is all I'm ever going to be on the line for, um, whilst it's limited in dollar terms, which is great, uh, practically uh, a lender can't sell only a portion of the property. So um, if my child defaults on their loan and doesn't remedy that default, so stops making the loan repayments, and then if the bank goes and sells that asset uh, and that for, for less than what they owe the bank, my child owes the bank, if my child doesn't make up that shortfall, then it's going to rest on me as I've pro provided the guarantee. Now, if I can't make that payment from my own cash, uh, cash holdings, then the bank will go and sell my property. Now, selling the, an asset, whilst you get to keep the remaining uh, sale proceeds, you know, it is only a limited guarantee, uh, your property's still sold. And so you've got to think about the consequences of that, capital gains tax, the impact on your own ability to build wealth, if it's an investment property and so forth. But remember, that a couple of things have to happen uh, before it gets to that point. Uh, that is that your child has to default, um, has to have been in default. Uh, and then secondly, they sold the property for less than what the child owes them. So again, you've got to just consider um, the likelihood of those uh, two events occurring. Uh, and if they do, obviously, uh, then you're on the hook uh, for, the, for the shortfall. Um, this is just a generic list of pros and cons. Of course, there could be other um, advantages and disadvantages that are specific to your own uh, situation. So you certainly should get independent financial legal advice uh, to cover that off. Uh, lastly, the other thing that naturally you can do to help your child is counsel them to buy well. So that is that buy a good quality investment grade asset or as close to an investment grade asset as their budget will allow. Um, the first property you buy as an individual is arguably the most important one um, because of the compounding benefit of getting that right. So if they buy well and enjoy some capital growth, uh, they can leverage and, and uh, leverage and springboard off that growth onto their next um, property purchase or you know utilize the equity for additional investing. Uh, whereas if they don't buy a good quality asset and they get no growth, then it's really up to their ability to save after-tax dollars to build wealth. So really um, fundamentally sound to get a really good quality property or as best quality property as possible. Of course, not all children listen to their parents, so do your best to, to really counsel them. So there you go. In summary, um, really the best way that you can help your kids is through education and talking about money and instilling some good, sound financial concepts. When the time's right, when they've cash flows right and they've got a genuine interest, uh, then the next best way, uh, next step of helping them in, in the best way is to provide a family guarantee. And so the only thing you need to do now in terms of positioning yourself so you can do that is to make sure you've got some equity and property to allow you to do that. Um, and then lastly, obviously, uh, trying to educate them to, to buy well and, and get a good quality asset. Uh, so there you go. I hope that's been useful. As always, uh, links and additional commentary uh, is in the show notes and the blog on our website. And until next week, bye for now.